Okay, let's go to Galatians 5, 5, 22, and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, a good, against such there is no law. Some of you may not have gotten the all call this afternoon about Brian White. Uh, Miss Sylvia, Mr. Winford's son, was having chest pains, and they carried him to Oconee and uh, said they were going to watch him uh, through the night. So we need to especially remember uh, Brian tonight and the doctors, nurses who will be in attendance with him through the night. Um, so, Brother Kenny Jordan, would you lead us in prayer, brother? Amen. Thank you, and you may be seated. Meekness has nothing to do with being weak. Sometimes we tie those two together that if you're a, a meek person that you're weak, but it's not. It has to do with mildness, mild-mannered. It has to do with submissiveness. Uh, to his will. It has to do with yielding uh, to his word. And that's why it's so important to read his word, study on his word, see what his word has to say for us. Because no matter what our situation is, no matter what we're facing, going through, just came out of, God has a word for us. And all these fruits of the Spirit, the, the end, end phrase there says, against such, against these, there is no law. We as Christians can claim these fruits of the Spirit. We can claim each one singly, just like we have uh, been looking at them uh, on a Sunday evening. And we can take those and develop those uh, into our life that we become better fruit-bearing Christians. You don't know who you may rub shoulders with tomorrow that needs to hear a word from you concerning your meekness, that is, your submissiveness to God's will and, and yielding to His Word and listening to Him when He speaks and just being mild-mannered. So, as we look at meekness, first of all, uh, there, there is uh, in the scripture, I'm going to show you, some, share some scripture with you, the promise of meekness, the promise. 
God's promised uh, uh, meekness to us. And first of all, we, we talk about the practice uh, of meekness. And the scripture there is Matthew 18, uh, 4. We as Christians, according to that verse, should humble ourselves like little children. In fact, he says, unless we humble ourselves as a little child and come to the Lord as a little child, there's no use to come. You know, you see, we, we think we have a better idea, okay? We know all things, okay? What if we did know all things? You know, that, that would be scary to know all things. To get up in the morning, <clears throat> to read God's word, and to, and to hear God say, okay, you're going to leave your house today. You're going south. You're not going to be traveling probably a mile or two, and you're going to have a massive, massive wreck. And you're going to end up in the hospital, and you're not going to know anything for a month. You're going to be in a coma. We'd be scared to death. Hey, we can't know those things. That's why we must humble ourselves as a little child and trust the Lord through our meekness, through, through yielding to him because, hey, he always has the better idea. Uh, my ideas are not his, my thoughts, my ways. Uh, his are always higher than mine and better than mine. So as we practice being meek, we need to humble ourselves as a little child. Not only practice, but there's pleasure in this. Now you think, well, I want life to be simple. Uh, you know, Lynn and I sometimes look back uh, at our first few years of marriage. We were married five years before Josh was born. And we look back now, what in the world did we do with five free years? No diapers, no crying. I mean, if we decided to do something, we'd just jump up and do it and go. All that changed. Pleasure. Listen to Proverbs 22, 4. By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches, honor, and life. Hey, we all want riches. Humility, it brings a, a threefold thing to us. Riches. You know, what do people classify as being rich? What, what is being rich? Well, it depends on who you're talking to. If you're talking to some young person about being rich, they might say, well, look at so-and-so. They're rich. They got a big house. They got three automobiles. They got boats and jet skis and motorcycles and horses. Look at what all they've got. Well, how old are these people? You know, they didn't go out and just get all that now. Uh, you know, I, people, many of you have been to our house. And people come and they look and say, wow, look at all this stuff. I said, man, I am nearing 70 years old. It's about time, you know, I, I've collected this stuff through the years. My daddy, bless his heart, would ask me sometimes, where did you get this? I said, I don't know, daddy. You don't know where you got it? I said, no, sir, I don't know where you got it. Don't even remember how much you gave for it. I said, it don't matter how much you gave. It don't matter where it came from. It's mine. And, uh, but Lynn classifies these things. Uh, you know, they're riches to me. They're junk to her. <laughs> but on occasionally, she'll say, you don't have a such and such a thing, do you? I said, I believe I do. I'll have to locate it. And I locate it. 
Oh, she is so glad I got it. I said, that's one of those pieces of junk I've had for a good while. You know? ha, riches. Well, listen, it doesn't matter. If, and, and I've told her many times, you know, we leave our house. And we're off down there in, a, in Podunk Holler. I said, you know, we may drive back in here one evening and to nothing but a pile of ashes. Are we going to be upset? No use to be. God gave that to us. He, he, he allows us to have that, and he allows us to share those riches that he's blessed us with. But beyond that, when I think of riches, hey, just being saved by the grace of God and to know that the, the wages of my sin have already been paid, not by payments, but paid in full. I am rich. I got it all. And um, the Bible talks about my father owning the cattle on a thousand hills. And I've said it before and i say it again. I love to hear him sing. He's dead and gone now. Teddy Huffman said, my father owns the cattle on a thousand hills. I ought to be able to have a stake anytime I want it. And I have to agree with him. But riches. Now, that's, that's pleasurable. How about honor? You know, are you being honored anywhere? You know, so many times people get honored for all this and this and this. And we honor people because of, of all their great successes and all their work. And, and it's okay. Uh, somebody said, I, I want to give them their flowers while they're living. Talking to a man this morning, he said, you know, I'm doing all I, I can do for my daddy. I said, well, son, don't you give up and don't you quit because you don't want to have no regrets when they pass out of this world. I've told you this before. My daddy was a Pearl Harbor survivor, and he passed away in my arms on Memorial Day weekend. It wasn't a sad time. Hey, because I had seen my daddy so many times suffer and suffer and suffer, and he had told me, don't you let them start my heart if it quits. That was one of the first things the first responders said when they got there. What do you want us to do? I said, what can you do? Oh, we can shock his heart. I said, no, we're not going to touch him. I said, he's already gone. And um, I honored my mama and my daddy. I, I, and I honored, uh, Lynn and I both, we honored my mom and daddy, and we honored her mom and daddy by taking care of them till they left this world. I don't have any regrets other than not spending more time with them. But honor. Honor our mother and father that our days on this earth might be long. Now, there's many people say, well, I've taken in my daddy, and he's, boy, he's a pain. Let me tell you, he's a gripe. Let me tell you, well, I'm headed that away. And uh, Josh said, Daddy, don't you worry. Caleb and me, we're going to take care of you. We're going to give you the best care possible. Said, we'll put you in the best rest home we can find. <laughs> Okay. I told them the other day, I said, let me tell you the rest of that story. I says, the uh, old man was getting old and he, uh, he knew his time was short. So he literally packed his suitcases and he called the family and said, told his wife, said, honey, call, call the boys, call the girls, get them all in here. My grand youngins, I want them all around the bed here. He said, I, I'm, I'm shortly fixing to be out of here. Are you serious? Said James, I'm serious. I want you to call him in here. So the wife does what he said. Calls all the youngins, the grand youngins, everybody comes and they gather around the bed. 
The oldest son said, Daddy, Mama called and said, you uh, don't feel like you got long to be here and, uh, and you wanted us to come and, and we're, here we are. Is, it, is there anything you want to tell us? said, well, I just want you to know that I've got my bags, fat suitcase is sitting right over there, and said, I am ready to go. And the oldest son said, well, Daddy, where are you going? He said, I'm going home with you. <laughs> I'm going home with you. <laughs> hey, you know, when we built our house, that was one of the things we had in mind. Lynn and I, we talked about it. And if you've been in our house, our basement is just like another house. It's got two bedrooms, two bathrooms, and, and a kitchen, a den, and a dining, because we were not going to let our folk go and live somewhere else. Uh, but Lynn's mother's the only one that got to enjoy uh, that part of our uh, house. But I was one day away from moving my daddy uh, in with us, and he done agreed to do it. But his bags was packed spiritually. And uh, he checked out one day before we uh, got in there. But honor, riches and honor. And that verse also says life. Hey, life's good. I see that sign so many times. Life is good. And I want to say, yeah, and God is better. Hey, life is good. But how about life when we lay in there with tubes hanging out everywhere, don't know which ends up, and the family's saying, what are we going to do? Hey, that's not life. You know, that, that's tough to meet that kind of situation. So, you know, life to me is enjoy every day. Just enjoy every day. I, I might have told you this before. Of all the places I have ever worked, and I done lost count of how many places I worked in my life before I surrendered to preach, I could, I, I could go back to every one of those places and go back to work because I left under that kind of condition. But life, uh, you know, it, it, and I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed uh, the places that I worked and the things that I learned uh, along the way. I'm looking forward to our mission trip. Somebody said, you still laying brick? I said, yes, I am. Uh, and I hope to lay as long as I can pick up one and lay it in the mortar. You know, I want to do that. I love to do that. So when we think about pleasure, you know, we think about riches, you think about honor, and you think about life. Now, although it's hard to practice meekness sometimes, if you practice it and practice it right, God's promise to give us pleasure in it. Okay? Promises of, of meekness, practice, pleasure. But there's a paradox. Look, I want you to uh, uh, write down Proverbs 29, 23. Here's what it says. A man's pride. Now listen, this is two ways here. A man's pride shall bring him low. But honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. Honoring God with our life every day. Honoring Him. Listen, I, I'm no better than the next one, okay? Uh, I, I wouldn't put myself above anybody. And people say, oh, but you're the pastor. It doesn't matter. God's just called me to pastor. God's called me to preach, but I am not above you. I stand with you, not above you, not in front of you. I stand with you. And I want, that, I want my life to show that that's the way uh, that it is. You know, it shocks some people sometimes when they come in and say, hey, 
I want to talk to you. I, I've got sin in my life and I, I want to get it out. I'm a sinner. I listened to them. I said, well, let me tell you something. I'm a sinner also. Just look at you so funny. Yes, I am a sinner also. And I show him in the scripture where all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's not a one of us that's without sin. If the Bible says if we say that we have not sinned, it says we make God out to be a liar and the truth, that is Jesus, is not in us. We need to teach our folk that. We need to teach our children that. We need to teach our friends that. All right, listen to this. Promises of meekness. Practice, pleasure, paradox, but also there's the personal side of this thing. And that's Isaiah 57, 15. Here's what Isaiah says. For thus says the high and lofty one who inhabiteth eternity where his name is is holy where God is where Jesus is and all can you imagine I I just can't imagine those of my family that I know without any doubt were saved who've done gone on who is up there with my heavenly father and my Jesus I, I mean I just can't imagine what they are experiencing somebody said well I thought they was asleep No, they're not asleep. Their body is asleep, but their soul is well. And that's where they are. It's a personal thing. Um, But when we think about uh, meekness, again, it has nothing uh, to do with being weak, but being strong in the Lord. Secondly, we're talking about meekness, uh, not only the promise, but how about the practice? The practice of meekness. it's a personal thing. It, it's, it's between you and God, okay? It's not between you and me. It's between us and God. Listen to James 4.10 says, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he'll lift you up. Not humble myself in the sight of you or you in the sight of me, but humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift us up. He knows when we're down, Okay? And don't say, well, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to do my best. I'm not going down. Hey, I, I wouldn't make that statement. I may be down for morning. But I want to uplift the name of the Lord and he has promised to see me through whatever suffering that I'm going to have to do before I leave this world. It's a personal thing. You see, nobody, nobody can get saved for you. Nobody can stand before God for you. Nobody can suffer for you. Now, when a person is suffering, uh, you know, we, we try to be by their bedside. We try to pray with them. And, uh, and unless we have been there experiencing the same problem that they are, we cannot say, well, I know how you feel. You know, I can say I got a headache. And you can say, well, I have headaches too. I know how you feel. No, my headache may be hurting worse than yours. You know, there's all kind of headaches, okay? Um, and so we think about that. It's a personal thing with the Lord. And as we think about practicing, look at First Peter. Think about this. First Peter 5, 5. It says, we are clothed with humility. Not my own humbleness, but the humbleness of God that surrounds my life. It, it says that God resists the proud, okay? He don't need the proud. He don't need the unproud, but he certainly don't need the, the proud, okay? 
God resists the proud, but he gives practice. And he gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to the meek. What's practical about this? Well, respect. If you want to be practical, you've got to respect. In Luke twenty-two twenty-six, 26, greatness and humility are found in being willing to serve others. Um, a labor of love. The Bible says that God will not forget our labor of love. Nobody else has to know what we do, but God knows. And if it's a labor of love, it will not go unnoticed by God. He notices everything. Respect those around us. You know, sometimes we don't, we don't respect those around us. Um, they don't have to be one of us. But how we treat others, they form an opinion about us. And I've told you this story before, and I I relive it over and over and over in my mind. I was in Anderson, headed to the hospital, got out of my car in the parking lot, and I heard a voice say, Sir, sir. Well, I didn't know if he was talking to me or not, but I stopped and turned around. Sir, could I see you a minute? So he walked over to where I was, and he said, Sir, I'm, I'm hungry and I'm thirsty, and I just wonder, could you, long, could, you, could you give me a dollar? I just pulled my billfold out and handed him a dollar. He says, Man, I appreciate it. He walked on, I walked on. I made a couple of visits there at Anderson Hospital, and one of those rooms I walked into, there stood that old boy. Thinking, what's he doing here? And the lady I was visiting said, Oh, Kenny, this is my grandson, so-and-so. I said, yeah, I met you in the parking lot. Yes, you did. What if I'd have been a rear end? When I walked in that hospital room, I'd have been about that high. Especially when he, if I'd left, he said, Grandma, that was your pastor. Let me tell you about him. I'd just well been dead meat. Now, you know, we have to weigh out situations, you know. But that's where we, God helps us discern what to do, what not to do. If we have humbled ourselves, we are living a meek life, not a weak life, but a meek life yielded to him. Hey, he speaks to our hearts and he lets us know. Now, I have given money out and trying to help somebody and realize, hey, you didn't help them at all. But it's too late then. That's why we have to be so careful, so cautious. Now, I could have, on the other hand, you know, the other side of that thing, I could have said, son, you know, I just, I don't loan money. Or if you're hungry, we'll go, cafeteria's right here in the hospital, and I'll, we'll go in there, and, and I'll buy you something to eat. Then if he'd have said, no, I, I, I don't want that, and I appreciate it, and walked on, I'd have been okay. But, we got to think about, you know, how our attitude toward things, and and our it's it's a personal thing with us, and it's it's a it's a practical thing, and we need to practice it. Micah six eight. Listen to what he, Micah six eight. Uh, the, listen to the requirements. God has shown us what is good, and what the Lord requires of us. He requires three things. Do justly. In other words, just do what's right. 
love mercy. If we want to have mercy, we've got to show mercy, okay? And walk humbly with God. Allow God to lead our life. You know, if you want to be a meek person, we've got to allow God to invade our privacy and allow Him to work through us. It's a God thing. You know, it's not a Kenny thing. It is, it is a God thing to be a meek person and do it for the glory of God. Now, not only the promise and the practice, but how about the people? Uh, the people of meekness. Um, there, there's many examples throughout the Bible, but I just want to share one with you at least. How about Joseph? You remember Joseph? His brothers hated him. His brothers threw him in a well and drew him out and sold him. He ended up down in Egypt. Well taken care of. Well trusted. And then his brothers came calling. He could have said, you bunch of sorry rascals, you sold me. You didn't care about me. But he didn't. He was real meek. He was real humble. And he helped his brothers. Old Saul, he made a statement. He said, I'm from the smallest tribe of Israel. The smallest. Small has nothing to do with being meek, okay? God will help us to be what he wants us to be. Whether it's a large outfit or a small or medium. I've heard people pray before, not in here. Lord, bless our little church. Well, is it little? Well, they may have been saying, bless our little church, because just a handful of people. But to me, no church is little, okay? We are, listen, we are just as important in the eyes of God as a church that runs two to 3,000 on Sunday. We're just as important. In fact, I'll tell you how important we are. According to statistics, the Southern Baptist Convention, United States-wide, is churches like this church that support the cooperative program which supports our missionaries. We're not little, okay? We may not be large in number, but we give that others might hear the gospel. And that's important. And only time and eternity will tell just how meek this church was through individual people and their gifts. How about David? He asked the question, who am I in my house? I asked me this, hey, who am I in my house? You know, there's only two of us there now. Who am I? I'm the husband. Who was I years ago? Hey, I was not only the husband, but I was the daddy. Now I'm the husband, I'm the daddy, and the granddaddy. And David just said, hey, who am I in my house? It's interesting to ask little children, who's your daddy? 
in your house? What does your daddy do in your house? Interesting to hear their answers. John the Baptist, who am I? Well, he baptized Jesus. He didn't ask for that, by the way. Okay? He didn't ask for that. He said, behold, yonder comes this, the Lamb of God. It's going to take away the sins of the world. Jesus walks up. Hey, John, I want you to baptize me. Oh, no. You need to baptize me, Lord. Uh-uh. I want you to baptize me. He didn't ask for that. He was very meek, and he yielded. He was humble, and, and God's Son allowed him to baptize him. Well, how about the centurion? He said, you know, I'm not worthy, Lord, for you to grant this wish to me that my child be healed. I'm not worthy of that. None of us are, but God did it because he was humble. He was meek. He yielded. Well, how about the Syrophoenician woman? Her daughter was healed. In fact, he didn't even have to show up. Also, the man whose son was dying. And he ran to get Jesus, and while he was gone, he healed him. And when the man got back, he said, what hour did this take place? They told him, and it was the same hour he was speaking to Jesus about. Meekness, hey. Humble ourselves before God and he's promised to be there. Meekness is being mild. Meekness is being submissive. Meekness is being yielded to the word of God. It's not a complicated thing, y'all. What about me? What about you? Are we meek? Uh, I want to be. I want to be mild-mannered. I want to be submissive to God. I want to yield to His holy word. I want to do whatever He asks me to do. And I want to do it in the right spirit. So, down the under somewhere, somebody would say, oh, I remember you. A funeral not too long ago. You know, I'm forgetful. There's a lady spoke to me. I recognized her face. She said, do you remember me? And she said, do you remember my husband? She called his name. She said, somewhere close to 30 years ago, I called you and asked you, would you do my wedding? And you said, I would have to talk to you first. And we went. She called her husband's name, said, he got saved during that counseling. And we still in church. Way back. It'll follow you. Your works for the Lord will follow you to your grave. Father, help us to do our best to live a meek life. With your help, we know we can do it. Lord, I thank you for the privilege, the opportunity to, to stand in this place and to share. 
I thank you for the people, Lord, that's here tonight, for their faith, their faithfulness, their commitment to you. Bless the homes in which they come. And I ask myself again, and I, I, I want our people to ask, who am I in my home? Who am I? Who are you in my house, meaning our body? Lord, blessing this invitation time. And we'll be careful to thank you for all you do in Jesus' name. Amen.